Hey guys, this is Erin from Roadrun Blonde, and I wanted to tell you about a new feature on ACAST that supports its artists. It's the supporter feature. Listeners to Roadrun Blonde can now donate and support the podcast. However, there's no subscription or commitment. You can just give whenever or whatever you'd like. It's completely up to you. Just find the support the show link in the show description on any episode. You can use Apple Pay or Google Pay, and it takes less than 30 seconds. You can donate anonymously, or you can add a message that I can see. As a podcaster, everything comes directly out of my pocket. I don't get paid to podcast. It's just my passion. So anything is appreciated to keep the show going. Thank you so much, guys. And now on to the show. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Red Rum Blonde. This is a true crime podcast. Each week, I'll explore a case, the victims, the facts, and the mystery surrounding it. Some are solved, some remain unsolved. I'm your host, Aaron Fleming. We all know the famous couples that have captivated the spotlight. Liz and Dick, Diane Charles, Kim and Kanye. The paparazzi follow them everywhere and the public are glued to the tabloids to see what they do next. Back in the 1990s, one couple had the world following their every move. From their incredibly short courtship to their every moment in the spotlight, no one could get enough. And then the world got a very invasive view into their private life. The events that led up to this have been left out of public knowledge until a Rolling Stone article told of one of the weirdest crimes to ever hit Hollywood. This week I'll talk about the crime that exposed the sex tape of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. For this episode, I mainly used the Rolling Stone article by Amanda Chicago Lewis that eventually became the basis for the Hulu series Pam and Tommy. I also found a show called Rich and Shameless, which had one episode just devoted to this crime. They speak to Amanda Chicago Lewis, who told how she came upon this story. Lewis was at a Hollywood party, and she was talking to a guy that was in the porn industry. So he's getting to the end of some story he was telling her, and she wasn't really paying attention until he said, I know the guy who stole the Pam and Tommy sex tape. And like many of us, she thought this was stolen. So let's go back to 1995, and let me create the atmosphere for you. 
Michael Jordan had just returned to the NBA. Oasis, Mariah Carey, and Alanis Morissette were coming out of every speaker. And eBay had just been created. The hottest couple was Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee and Baywatch star Pamela Anderson. Their love story today would be very similar to that of Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly. Smoking hot and way too fast. The pair married after a less than a week of courtship. Before they knew it, the intimate private videos they made during their honeymoon would soon be put on blast on screens everywhere. Now, when this happened, I, like many others, just assumed that they'd released the tape themselves. I didn't even fully realize until recently that an actual crime had been committed to obtain that tape. Of course, the man behind that crime, Ran Gautier, wasn't specifically trying to steal a sex tape. That was just happenstance. Rand wanted revenge, specifically against Tommy Lee. Rand wasn't just hanging out at their home and happened to snag a tape. He broke into their house and stole a safe. This was a huge effort. And this is really a story with three main players. Rand Gautier, Pamela Anderson, and Tommy Lee. So before I talk about the crime, I want to give you a bit of background on each of them. I think you have to fully know them to get the full impact of this whole crazy case. And I highly recommend the Hulu series Pam and Tommy. It stars Sebastian Stan and Lily James. These actors do such a remarkable job. You feel like you're actually watching the real people. And it actually sticks pretty close to the truth with very little embellishment. So let's start with the more interesting of the three, Pamela Anderson. Pamela Denise Anderson was born on July 1st, 1967 in Ladysmith, British Columbia. She was born to Barry Anderson, a furnace repairman, and Carol, who was a waitress. Now, one thing that I didn't know about Pam was that she suffered several bouts of sexual abuse as a child. This first happened at the hands of her female babysitter. The exact timeline is kind of vague. Anderson thinks that it might have been from the ages of four to eight. And other accounts say 6 to 10. Then when she was 12, she was at a friend's house. And when the friend wasn't around, her brother offered to teach Pamela backgammon. She said that led to him talking her into a massage, which then led to him raping her. And she was only 12, and he was 25. Of course, she felt like she could never tell her parents. Her father was an alcoholic, and her mother was working two jobs just to support the family. And as we know about victims of sexual abuse, they often become prey to more sexual abuse in their future. And sadly, this happened to her. So one night, her boyfriend, in her words, quote, decided it would be funny to gang rape me with six friends. She said she just wanted off this earth and had no trust left for humans, which is very understandable. She felt she could only find comfort with nature and animals, something that would continue for the rest of her life. Later in life, she would become a very passionate supporter of groups like PETA. And she would eventually found the Pamela Anderson Foundation to support her love of animals and nature. So after she graduated high school, Anderson moved to Vancouver as a fitness instructor. In 1989, stardom would find her. While attending a football game at the BC Place Stadium, Pamela looked up to see her face on the Jumbotron. 
and she wasn't the only one looking. Labatt Beer also noticed her beauty and that she was wearing one of their t-shirts. I mean, this story is the stuff of legend, like how Lana Turner was discovered while sipping soda at a drugstore. This one moment in time supposedly launched Pamela Anderson's modeling career. So from there, she represented Labatt as their spokesmodel before landing the biggest modeling gig out there, the cover of Playboy magazine. In 1989, a landing that cover was a huge deal. And Pam would grace the cover more than any other woman. And Pam, of course, had changed her look too. Her once dark blonde hair became platinum, and she greatly increased her chest size. Los Angeles became her new home so that she could begin her acting career. Anderson started off with a role on the hit sitcom Home Improvement as the Tool Time Girl. And that major exposure led to what most people associate her with, Baywatch. I think Baywatch liked to think of itself as this serious drama, but all anyone cared about was watching its beautiful stars running up and down the beach in their red swimsuits. The show catapulted Pamela Anderson into stardom, and it made her a household name. Every major magazine cover featured the blonde beauty. And one person who definitely wanted to know more was Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee. Tommy Lee was born Thomas Lee Bass on October 3, 1962 in Athens, Greece. And his parents were David Lee Thomas Bass, who was a U.S. Army sergeant, and bear with me pronouncing his mother's name, Valisica Papadimitriou, who was winner of the 1957 Miss Greece Beauty Contest. When Tommy was about two, the family moved to California. And according to Wikipedia, he was given his first drumsticks at the age of four and his first drum kit as a teen. And Lee was hooked. His focus on becoming a serious drummer led him to drop out of high school and into forming the band Sweet 19. And it was while playing in that band that he met the bassist Nikki Six, who at the time was in a band called London. Six was interested in starting a new band with a theatrical focus. So with Mick Mars on guitar and Vince Neil on vocals, the band eventually became Motley Crue. The 80s were the height of heavy metal and hair bands like Motley Crue, and they were the kings of this whole wave. So forget Poison and Cinderella because Motley Crue were it. The band sold over 100 million albums worldwide, and they gave you everything that you wanted in a rock and roll band. There was a killer stage set complete with flaming guitars and a roller coaster drum kit. They had groupies in every corner and, of course, lots and lots of drugs and alcohol. Now, surprisingly, Tommy Lee was a committed man in the majority of the time of Motley Crue. After dating Vancouver Playboy model Elaine Starchuk for two years, the two made it official on November 24th, 1984. But very oddly, after only seven days, the two called it quits, finally divorcing in May of 1985. Rumor has it that Tommy was physically abusive and that this was the cause of the separation, but both have remained tight-lipped about the breakup even to this day. Lee quickly moved on to actress Heather Locklear. Locklear was a huge TV star from her work on T.J. Hooker and Dynasty. And according to an article by Karen Corday, the couple met at an REO Speedwagon concert. 
Shortly after, the pair connected after Tommy got Heather's number from her dentist. Just three months after dating, Heather proposed. The two married in 1986, and they were the perfect rock-meets-Hollywood couple, kind of like Valerie Bertinelli and Eddie Van Halen. However, the rock and roll fairy tale didn't last. The two divorced in 1994, supposedly due to Lee's philandering. Now, Tommy Lee was primed and ready to find love again, and that moment came on New Year's Eve 1994. Tommy was out partying with his friends at the Hollywood Club Sanctuary. And just like it was portrayed in the Hulu series, Tommy did lock eyes on Pamela Anderson. And it is true that Pam got everyone shots, and then Tommy came over and licked her face. The two partied and danced, and Pam not taking it too seriously. But Tommy was head over heels. He finally finagled her phone number out of her with her friend, indeed warning her to beware of getting involved with the drummer. Unlike in the show, it wasn't the next day that Anderson left for work in Cancun. It was actually six weeks later. And according to an article in Screen Rant by Kylie Barosma, the two actually had a date planned, but Pam accidentally stood Tommy up. She was in Cancun on the work trip. So when he found out, Tommy said he'd come, but Pam didn't want him to. He was very aggressively pursuing her. So he came anyway. And just like in the series, he called every hotel until he found the one she was staying at. And as this article points out, Lee really did get kicked out of the Ritz-Carlton for not agreeing to their dress code. The pair then went on to Senior Frogs with both of their entourages before ending back at Anderson's hotel room. The next four days were basically spent in that hotel room, leading to the couple getting married in an intimate beach ceremony. The bride wore a white bikini with the couple foregoing traditional wedding bands with matching tattoos. They returned to live in Tommy Lee's Malibu mansion to live out this rock and roll fairy tale. But they did not live happily ever after. And every fairy tale needs a villain, right? Enter Rand Gautier. Electrician Rand Gautier was part of a crew that had been brought on to renovate the Lee's sprawling mansion. And this renovation was anything but easy. As soon as the crew would make some kind of headway, Lee would up and demand some major change. And those included a pillow room, a koi pond, a 30-foot swing in the living room, and a 20-foot mural of heaven and hell in the elevator, or as Lee put it, it was an adult playground. And he also wasn't paying the crew for their expenses. Lee owned Gautier $20,000 and pay for work done on the mansion. And Tommy Lee had been through several rounds of contractors who just couldn't meet the demands the rock star had. And like many other crews before him, Rand and his crew were eventually fired. It was only natural that he would want to get his work tools from the Malibu mansion. However, when Rand and another worker went to retrieve them, they were met by an angry Tommy Lee pointing a shotgun directly at them. As Amanda Chicago Lewis noted in her article, Lee made Gautier feel small and it hit a nerve. So to fully understand that, let's go back into his background a bit. His father was an actor who starred on Broadway and appeared as Jaime the Robot on Get Smart. And his mother was a Jehovah's Witness, which later inspired his love of conspiracies. 
His parents eventually divorced, and Rand had a very difficult relationship with his father. You can see it in the series, and his father is portrayed as very cold and uncaring. Rand is this awkward guy who, according to the Rolling Stone article, lost his virginity to a sex worker in Vegas on his 18th birthday. And much about him in the series is true. He doesn't exactly look like Seth Rogen, who portrayed him in the series. I think he looks more like David Schwimmer from Friends. The article describes him in the 90s as tanned and toned with broad shoulders and a voice that's a mix of Surfer and Ernie from Sesame Street. Rand Gautier was known as a goofy guy who liked conspiracy theories and dating porn stars. And at one point, he even starred in porn under the name Austin Moore. He dated a porn actress, Erica Boyer, and their very confusing relationship is featured in the Hulu series. I found an article on TheAncestry.com that explained this whole tale. So Erica and Rand met in the late 80s on a blind date. And after their relationship bloomed, Erica persuaded filmmakers to cast her current boyfriend in some films under the name Austin Moore. I guess he made at least 75 videos, including Big Boob, Bikini Bash, and Willy Wankers and The Fun Factory. Nuptials happened in 1989 before the pair divorced in 1991, and I couldn't find out why they split, but it wasn't how the series portrayed it. So on the series, Erica Boyer is a lesbian, but in real life, after Rand, she married NFL player Derek Jensen. So it is true that she preferred to do scenes with women, but the ones with men actually paid more. Rand and Erica did apparently stay close after their breakup, and Rand continued to date other porn actresses such as Wendy Whoppers and Stacey Valentine. So now let's get into this bizarre crime. Rand Gautier was pissed about being fired and humiliated and owed tons of money by Tommy Lee. So he devised a plan to hit Tommy where it hurts, in the bank. A safe to be specific. So from working on their home, Rand knew that a 500-pound safe the couple kept in the garage contained a ton of valuable items. Now no one knew exactly what was in the safe, but Tommy had shown off his guns, some of which were kept there. 
you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Actually, he wanted Lee to fill some kind of humiliation and possibly pay some ransom to get the safe back. But as we'll soon find out, that safe contains something that would change all their lives forever. To prepare for the heist, Rand spent most of the summer of 1995 by just casing Lee's property. There were always cars and trucks outside the property. This is mainly due to this endless construction on the home, and also the ever-present paparazzi who were just always on the ready to ambush the couple. So Rand just blended right in. He sat watching the comings and goings for weeks before making his move. The genius plan was to sneak onto the property into the dead of night. Now, Rand himself had installed the couple's security cameras, knowing exactly where they were. He'd planned to get past the first one at the main entrance by masquerading as their big sheepdog. And this would be accomplished by crawling on all fours and wearing a Tibetan yak fur on his back. You really could not make this up. Once inside the residence, Rand would disarm the cameras and complete this theft. So the details of the exact crime are what Amanda Chicago Lewis called sketchy at best. Rand Gautier told her his tale, but it seems physically impossible. Rand claims he did this all alone, but most likely he had an accomplice or accomplices. At the end of October, he made his move at 3 a.m., And it was a ballsy move because Pam and Tommy were at home at the time. So Rand jumped the fence wearing the yak fur, pulling a dolly to roll the safe out on. The security cameras were quickly disabled and Rand went to work. So you definitely have to suspend your disbelief. The safe was kept behind this huge recording console and a carpeted space in the wall in the garage. And the console itself weighed hundreds of pounds. But somehow, Rand moved this console by himself and went for the safe. The 500-pound, 6-by-4-by-3-foot Browning safe strapped it to a dolly and wheeled it to the driveway. The metal in the safe triggered the gate, allowing him a safe escape. Now, supposedly, he hoisted the safe onto his truck by wedging his legs underneath and using his own strength. Of course, this is physically impossible. So friends at Gaultier say when the crime occurred, he told a whole different story. One person said that Troy Tompkins, the general contractor who was held at gunpoint by Lee, was this accomplice. Tompkins' wife, Dominique Sardell, also worked on the home and was reportedly the person who advised Pam to put her jewelry in the safe. So after getting the safe out, Rand went to work getting it open with a demolition saw. Inside, he found lots of guns, expensive jewelry, the white bikini that Pam wore to their wedding, family photos, and a high eight cassette tape. After watching the tape, Rand knew that something huge was on his hands. 
so he took the tape straight to his friend Milton Ingley, known affectionately as Uncle Melty. Ingley was an adult actor, producer, and director. And much like Rand, he had entered the adult film industry as a favor for a girlfriend. He was inducted into the X-Rated Critics Organization Hall of Fame in 1993 as a film pioneer under the name Michael Morrison. Rand knew that Melton would know what to do with this tape. And according to Ingley's daughter, Helen, the pair made copies of the cassette and then destroyed the original. Helen maintains that she and her father dispersed cut-up pieces of the tape out the car window onto the freeway. Now, Melty approached a lot of people in the adult industry trying to find a buyer for the tape. But when people realized that the tape was stolen and had no releases signed by the famous couple, no one wanted to be involved. Gautier and Ingley were turned down numerous times until they found an unconventional ally in Louis Butchie Periano. So Periano was part of a mob family who had financed and distributed the porn classic Deep Throat. Periano ran Arrow Productions, and he lended the pair $50,000 to help with distribution of the tape, giving him interest on the loan and a percentage of the sales. Milty then set up several websites to use to distribute the tapes. So one would go to the site where they would get an address to a Canadian company that would send the money to Amsterdam. Rand was in charge of helping manage the shipments in a van in Los Angeles. It was a very slow process. This wasn't like today when you order something on Amazon and you get it in a few days. It was weeks for the letter to get to its destination and then even longer for the recipients to receive the tape. Back then, you basically had to wait this general four to six weeks for a product to arrive once you ordered it from anywhere. And you just waited. You couldn't track a package either. It either made it to you or it didn't. Meanwhile, it wasn't until January of 1996 that Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee noticed that the safe was actually missing. After filing a police report with no results, the couple hired famed Hollywood private investigator Anthony Pelicano. Now, guns and jewelry could be replaced. Tommy and Pam wanted this tape back. This private eye was very heavy-handed with his investigating. Friend of Tommy Lee, interior designer Garen Swing, can testify to that himself. Apparently, Ward got around that Swing was the originator of the tape leak. So one night, Pelicano burst into Swing's place, shoving him to the ground and demanding to know where the tape was. Once he realized Swing didn't have it, he left. And just like in the Hulu series, biker games were also employed to suss out the tape. And one guy who was later found out to be making his own bootlegs of the tape was working at Minty's studio with porn director Bobby Bouchard. A bunch of bikers burst in demanding to know where the tape was and reportedly they pointed a gun at the man's genitals. So by this time, a Pelicano had figured out that Rand Gautier was the guy behind the tape leak. Lee had ties to motorcycle gangs who would frequently terrorize the studio looking for Rand and Melty. Rand resorted to staying at the home of Fred Panda Dosi, who was another porn director who worked under the name Fred Lincoln. His now-grown daughter recalls Uncle Rand sleeping in the red bunk in her room while she slept down the hall. Her pressure was mounting as the tape began to gain notoriety. 
and soon news of the tape was all over, making the focus on Leanne Anderson's relationship blow up even more than it already had. The couple each tried to do damage duty with public appearances on various talk shows, but this damage was done. Everyone was obsessed with the hour-long look into the couple's life. Probably most talked about was the size of Tommy Lee's appendage, which at one point, if I remember right, helped steer their boat. This was one of the first releases of a sex tape. I mean, this was way before Paris Hilton or Kim Kardashian. The tape eventually made the rounds to Penthouse magazine. Penthouse had previously published these stolen Polaroids of Pam and Tommy. But this time, they didn't publish the video, but published accounts of its contents. Pam and Tommy filed a $10 million lawsuit against everyone involved, including Penthouse, Milty, Rand, and anyone else they thought were involved. The Lees couldn't get any injunctions stopping the distribution of the tape. But since the couple shot the tape themselves, they technically held copyright over the tape, not that they were making any money from it or the lawsuits. They were countersued by Troy Tompkins and his girlfriend Dominique Sardell for the costs that were owed to them. Meanwhile, Milty skipped town and headed to live in the Netherlands. Since so many groups were pirating this tape, Rand and Milty made the decision to stop shipments on September 27, 1997. Milty was also trying to wait Al Periano. They still owed the mobster interest on their loan. Milty also knew that the man had cancer, so he was basically just waiting for him to die instead of paying him back. That, of course, put Rand in danger because he was still in Los Angeles. Lucky for him, Periano found out that Rand didn't know of Milty's intentions, but this money had to be paid back, so... Rand had to start collecting debts for the mobster to pay off his own. When collecting debts, Rand would throw ammonia in the victim's face and then break the guy's kneecap or collarbone with a mop ringer. So I guess desperate times calls for desperate measures. And then the tape made its way into the new streaming world. This was when it was in its early infancy. Remember, this is the age of AOL and dial-up, so streaming wasn't what it's like now. It took forever just to log on to the internet. When former model Court St. George brought the tape to Seth Warshawski, it took it to a whole new level. Seth owned a site called Club Love. And on November 3rd, 1997, Club Love issued this press release stating, that they were going to broadcast the video online. Now, in reality, Seth Warshawski never intended to actually broadcast the tape. He just wanted the publicity. But for whatever reason, he went through with it, and the tape aired on November 7th on this loop for five hours. As Lewis notes in her article, by now the Lees were just exhausted. They had been in and out of court on various court cases, and the whole world had seen this tape. And Pam and Tommy had been through so much. On June 6, 1996, they finally became parents for the first time, since Pam had suffered a miscarriage in June of 1995. So I think at this point, they were just ready to put this whole thing behind them. Unfortunately, Pam and Tommy made this deal with Warshawski. They gave him permission to show the tape online, with the stipulation that the company couldn't sell it in stores. They thought that this would end this whole fiasco because 
they underestimated how popular the internet would eventually become. The couple signed over their copyright of the tape on November 25, 1997. And the site made thousands off of the sales. Seth Warshawski then made a deal with an adult film company to manufacture a variety of formats of the tape. So now hundreds of thousands of copies were then available in every adult film store. So while the tape definitely increased Pamela Anderson's popularity, it was not the way that she wanted. She admits to feeling very violated by the transmission of her most intimate moments with her husband. Now many people dismissed her feelings with the excuse that she'd pose nude. Well, there's a hell of a difference between consensually posing nude and your most private moments being put on blast for the world to see. Seriously, think about it. Would you want everyone to suddenly be able to see a tape of your sexual escapades with your partner? I mean, hell no. I pose nude for a friend that does art, but I would be mortified if everyone saw me having sex with someone I loved. That is horrific. Now, Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee reportedly never made a dime from their own sex tape. The couple eventually divorced in 1998 after claims that Lee had abused his wife but they rekindled their romance, remarrying in 2008, before divorcing again in 2010. They had two sons together who are both now grown. Now, Anderson went on to marry again, totaling five marriages. This includes bodyguard Dan Hayhurst, Kid Rock, Rick Solomon, who was the guy behind Paris Hilton's sex tape, and producer John Peters. But technically, she's been married seven times because... This was twice to Lee and twice to Solomon. Now, Tommy Lee only married one more time after Pam to Brittany Foreland, and the two have a podcast called Worst Firsts. Mobster Periano finally succumbed to cancer in 1999. Milty returned to Los Angeles. He was so broke by this time that he moved in with his daughter, and he passed away shortly after. His daughter said that he was never the same after everything went down with this tape. Now, Rand still does electrical work, and he moved up the coast of California. In the end, he went back to the life he knew, doing work and dating porn stars. When Lewis last saw him, he had just been dumped by a woman who was an ex-stripper. And he said that every once in a while, he'll tell someone that he's the man behind the sex tape, but no one believes him. So that was the tale of the stolen sex tape of Pamela Anderson and Tommy Lee. I highly recommend reading the article by Amanda Chicago Lewis and watching the Hulu series. It doesn't stray far from the truth. And the series almost makes you feel bad for Rand Gauthier. It portrays him as this unlucky loser who only seemed to suffer from the tape. And like I said before, Sebastian Stan and Lily James are astounding as Pam and Tommy. But I really do feel the most for Pam Anderson because this had to been so embarrassing and mortifying to have all the world see her private moments, and just judge her like they did. People were very harsh to her. I remember seeing this one paparazzi video where Tommy Lee, he finally lost it, and he starts knocking down some photographers who were always on them. One retaliated by spraying pepper spray on the couple, and then you see Pam come charging at them, yelling, how dare you pepper spray me? And then you hear this dick yell, um... Pam, it's 2 a.m., where's your kid? 
you know, as if she's a bad mother because she's out for the night. Men don't face that kind of scrutiny. He didn't yell that shit at Tommy Lee, just Pam. It was really infuriating to watch. So although she chose the spotlight, she never chose this invasion that comes with it. So I really do feel for her. And I think she's suffered enough with her past abuse, this whole trouble with Tommy, her miscarriages and her search for love. So I, for one, support her wholeheartedly. And I guess I'm kind of glad I put off recording this until today. I was going to record yesterday and then um, yesterday on Instagram, Pam wrote this note, this handwritten note that she herself is going to tell her own tale about the whole thing. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I want to welcome new members to the Red Rum Blonde Facebook group. Welcome Mindy, Angie, and Charlotte. Thank you so much for joining. And you can join too if you'd like. You can also find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So thanks so much for listening and catch you guys next time. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. 